love the spirit of worship that's here today. Let's praise him. There's waters to swim in here today. The glory of the Lord is in this house. Come on, somebody. Let's give him great and glorious praise. Praise God. Praise God to all of our visitors here this morning. We are just absolutely delighted that you're here. And on such a notable day as Father's Day. And, um, you know, Father's Day, Mother's Day, and a few other occasions are occasions that we honor the office of being a father or a mother, regardless of whether you're in the church or not, because God determined that. God determined that we would have fathers and there would be mothers. And so we honor each and every one of you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. While you remain standing, Brother Troy, come here if you would. I want you to share with this audience. Now, Brother Troy's had, as many of you know, he's had health conditions and in and out of the hospital. And we've continued to pray and continue to believe God. But this man gave me some good news today. I just went in for the second biopsy, um, and after all this time, uh, the doctor said I'm cancer-free in my bladder. Happy Father's Day, Brother Troy. Somebody go ahead and just give him praise. We don't have a schedule today. Somebody shout. My Lord, if we're going to shout about something, we might have shouted that God healed somebody of cancer. Praise God. Praise God. When God does that, God is trying to get the message to somebody over here, over here. Maybe somebody that didn't even come to church today, but you walk in and say, you know what? There was a man that got up and testified that he is cleared from cancer. I wonder if God do that for me. I wonder if God do that for you. I wonder if God do that for your mom and dad. Come on, somebody. We're at the end of an age. It's time to see miracles, signs, and wonders, and give God the glory. Hallelujah. And uh, to resonate what's already been said here today, I also want to say to all the fathers among us that you are worthy of esteem. You are highly favored and valued. And we salute you and honor you in Jesus' name. And I don't know who was totally responsible for the, uh, the father and son um, barbecue yesterday. But I just want to say I appreciate your efforts very, very much. I wish I could have been here. I was stuck in an airport. I am learning the hard way not to travel through the Midwest in the springtime. Uh, because if there's any kind of lightning, they shut everything down. 
and I didn't get to my destination last week f until five hours late, uh, about 1.30 in the morning. And uh, yesterday, I was uh, stuck in Springfield, Missouri. Nothing wrong with Springfield, Missouri, but I don't want to be stuck there. I want to be here. And then uh, turn right around and heading out to the Louisiana camp meeting this Tuesday. Brother Aaron Mayo will be right here preaching on Tuesday night. Yes. Yes. And then next Sunday, right here, evangelist, international evangelist, Franco Platania. I want to tell you, we are fixing to get blessed. How many, how many guys do you know started a home missionary work in Rome under the shadow of the Vatican? Well, he did. And uh, he'll be talking about this uh, next Sunday. So be inviting people out. I will be home and we will be rejoicing. Man, I appreciate this great music and spirit of worship today. My goodness. My goodness. Been tremendous. Amen. And then thank you so much for the gift and the card. And I already know what that gift is, okay? Um, I'm getting a little older, so I have to regulate my chocolate. Um, and the kids in the back, when they heard that, they... <laughs> Praise God. So there you go. Hallelujah. Easy to be a kid. It's kind of rough to be the pastor. But I've got to regulate my, my chocolate intake, and uh, which means I don't eat a whole box in a sitting, just half a box. Praise God. Amen. Well, let's get in the word of the Lord today. Hallelujah. I'd like to draw your attention to the book of Luke, chapter number 15. Appreciate uh, Brother uh, Wade Bass coming and blessing. He's a true elder. An apostolic elder, and uh, it does a pastor good when I'm miles and miles away to be able to get good reports and uh, people responding. We have people getting baptized, people getting the Holy Ghost, and uh, people being blessed and fortified and edified through the preaching of the Word of God. We thank God for it all and appreciate Him so very, very much. Now, this this church camp out you don't want to miss, okay? And I know what some of you are thinking. Pastor, it costs money. I know that. That's because, you know, there's very little in life that's free. Um, and, and we're trying to make this really, really good so that our people don't have to wash dishes and cook food and clean up. They've got people to do all that stuff. If you really, really want to go and you need some help, I want you to contact me. We have a little fund set aside. We're not going to, we're not going to, we're going to keep it very discreet and private. We're not trying to embarrass you or anybody else, but we just want to make it so everybody can go. Um, and if you're just, your shekel bag is running a little low, I want you to, I want you to contact me and we will help you in Jesus' name. Everybody said praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Brother Cody Marks is a prophet of God and to get this man to preach a family camp like this is, is quite a deal. Next year it's going to be Brother Randy Williams. So we're going to have a great time. And we're just going to keep this thing rolling in Jesus' name. I'd ask Ari Prado, but he doesn't camp. Maybe we ought to turn him into a camper. Have his whole family show up. And anyway, we'll... these city pastors, they need to know what living is. All right, Luke chapter 15. 
This is an incredibly, um, this is like, this is like a passage of scripture that's like old paths that bring fresh promises. It's well-worn and for good reason. We're not going to read all of this in its entirety, but we're going to read enough so that you understand exactly what's being said here. We're going to start in verse number 11. Luke chapter 15, I know you're standing with us, and I appreciate that, but we do need to honor the word of the Lord here today. And he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me, and he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. When the money was gone, his friends were gone. When the party was over, there was nobody left but the pigs. And when he came to himself, that is the fulcrum of this entire parable. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to the servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. I want to talk to us about making Father's Day. Making Father's Day. Let's put our Bibles down and let's pray. Let's pray that the word of the Lord would be a blessing and give direction here today. We need the Holy Ghost to now take the word and apply it deeply into our lives. Father, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for the word of the Lord. Thank you for your people. Thank you for your spirit. Pray that you move among us. We give you free course and liberty to move and speak into our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Making Father's Day. Believe it or not, 
Father's Day started in Spokane, Washington. Why not? It's a great place. And I thought that was kind of neat. I didn't know that until I, you know, Wikipedia is good for something. Father's Day began in Spokane, Washington on June 19th, 1910. Is there anybody that was here? I'm just having fun. Hallelujah. Father's Day is an incredible opportunity to recognize one of the most preeminent and important people on the face of this planet. And uh, Brother David did a great job of sharing the need to have people in your life, if not your biological parents, people in the church that will give you direction, that will be examples to you, that will be a source of great encouragement. Um, I've said this many times, and so I'm not going to repeat it in full, but I will. I would be remiss if I did not say I appreciate the Church of the Living God because I have bio biological parents uh, that were not living for God. Um, they, they had too many kids. They didn't understand the dynamic of raising a big family. And um, there were people in the church at 30 years of age, there were people uh, just like men that are in this church today that became great examples to me. And, uh, and I will give them honor and respect this day. This piece uh, of scripture that we read in your hearing um, this morning is without a doubt, it is, um, if not the most well-known parable, it is probably in the top three most well-known parable in the Word of God. Um, it is a story that the Jews embraced this story, although they did not embrace the identity of the Lord Jesus Christ, they did embrace this story. And according to biblical uh, commentators, there is a mixed reception that this story brought. Some of the Jews did not like it, and they didn't like it. They didn't like Jesus convicting them. Um, if you're the type of person that does not like to be convicted, um, there are a lot of people through the ages that did not like being convicted, and yet it is conviction that is the active agency to help bring us closer to God and to the things of God. On the other hand, condemnation is never used by God. Uh, condemnation is used of the enemy. It's used of our own flesh. Uh, the book of Romans chapter 2 says that our conscience, either approving or disapproving, condemnation can come right from within our own selves, but it does not come from God. Condemnation pushes a person from God. Conviction draws you closer to God. Amen. But there are some Jews that look at this story and they see the Jewish nation as fulfilling the role of the prodigal, that they are, they are away from the Father's house. They are away from the promises and the covenants and the revelations that are, that are truly theirs. Uh, this is fully enumerated throughout the book of Romans, specifically Romans chapter number 9 talks about this reality. Um, however, there are others that embrace this particular story because it reveals some characteristics of God 
that are not always talked about. And that really is, is really what I want to talk about uh, for the remainder of my time today. Um, are these characteristics of God that are brought forth in this incredible story? However, the subject matter does not begin with the father. It begins with one of these sons. Um, a certain man had two sons. This is a man that was um, no doubt somewhat well off. He was a landowner. He was a man that had, uh, he had men underneath him to do his bidding, uh, to work the fields and work the flocks. But he also expected his boys to work uh, in the fields and to conduct themselves. Um, the Bible says in the book of Galatians that a son is, is handed over to a certain class of people to train them up so that they would understand uh, the will and the ways of the father. When a man was a great landowner and he was wealthy, he could, he could uh, hand his children, specifically his sons, over to people that would train his sons up until his sons were ready to receive some of, of the tasks of the household, understanding who they were and who their father was. Uh, that's, a, that's a reality that's in the Word of God. However, in this particular passage of Scripture, we do know that this man um, expected his two boys to, um, to help around the ranch, the farm, help around the house. And at some point, um, this is not a boy any longer. This is, this is a young man. We're in our, in our mind's eye. We're trying to fill in certain blanks in the Scripture to give it a continuity of understanding. And this is no longer just a boy. This has now become a young man. And I do not know what it was that caused him to think, you know what, I think I know more than my dad. I think I, uh, I, think I can do better elsewhere. And so finally, I don't know, maybe he was tired of hearing his father say, clean your room and get dressed and get ready to go to church and and we're going to be faithful. We're going to be part of revival. We're going to give. We're going to be a part of what God expects of us. But whatever the case may be, the younger son came to the place where he said, you know, I, I think um, that I would like to get what's coming to me. It's not, he did not have uh, the birthright. He did not have the inheritance. Yet this must have been some form of wage that the father was holding back for these boys uh, until... Uh, a time in their life when they would get out on their own. And so the young boy comes to his father and says, I want what's coming to me. I want my wage, and I'm going to leave the ranch. I'm going to leave the farm. And so um, we're already beginning to see some of the characteristics of the father. The father did not fall down on, on the floor and beg his son to stay. He did not, he did not try to resist this. Evident, which gives us an indication that he was not just a child. If it was a child, the father would have said, you know what? I don't want to hear that anymore. I want you to, I want you to straighten up, straighten out, and I don't want you to even think about that. But this is no longer a child. This is now a young man. And the father recognizes that I cannot, I cannot hold him. I cannot, I cannot prevent him. Uh, this is a choice. And I want to tell you that one of the things that, that separates being a child from being an adult is that you take responsibility for your choices. No, that's a big deal because in our world, you have a sustained adolescence. 
People want to play video games until they're 30. People want to people want to just be careless uh, with life and careless with the relationships and careless about their responsibility before God. You can get quiet if you want to. I'm already preaching. But one of the things that separates, and this will be for you to take a self-test, and I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm just, I'm just articulating this. But one of the things that separates adolescents from adulthood is the fact that you are able to take responsibility for your choices. You don't blame your mom and dad. You don't look at other people and blame them. You don't blame family members. You don't blame the church. You look in the mirror and said, I chose to do that. I'm going to take responsibility, and I'm going to go. If I did something wrong, I'm just going to repent. Hallelujah. So the father gives him what's coming to him. And I'm, I re- recognize that I'm reading to this, but I can only imagine that it was probably a tearful goodbye. It was not, it was not cheerful. You didn't have people smiling, waving banners. You, this was, um, the mom's not even mentioned in here, but I can only imagine that the mother was crying, uh, seeing her, her little baby finally getting some wings and deciding to leave. This was not the will of his parents. This was his will to do this. And so... They let him go. And the Bible says that in short order, verse number 13, and not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, that that terminology far country is indicative of being a long way from the values of how he was raised. There's more than just a geographical understanding where it says a far country. You're, you're seeing this young man go into, to begin to um, congregate or make relationships with people that had a value system that was far removed with how he was raised on the ranch. But this is what he bucked. He bucked, he bucked hearing that, you know, keep your elbows off the table and keep your room clean. And I expect you to be up out working at 7 o'clock in the morning. I expect you to do A, B, C, D, F, G. And so, in short order, he is in a far country, the Bible says, and there he wasted his substance with riotous living. He had no self-control. This is where a lot of addiction is right here. A lot of addiction is he could have been, he could have been a young man that listened to what his dad had to say and listened to what his mom had to say and probably would have learned some, some lessons with bumps and bruises without losing everything. This is catastrophic. This is talking about not having self-control, being impulsive, being compulsive, being willing to throw away relationships, being way, ready to throw away things of value. He was a mess. He wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land. Now, I would like to introduce to you for the very first time, I believe we are seeing the influence of the Father. Because when you read throughout the Old Testament, when the nation of Israel experienced famine, behind it all was a heavenly Father that was 
manipulating these people. He was moving them. He was shaping them. He was, he was putting them on geographical location and moving them through a famine. This is, ex- this is incredibly notable when you see um, Jacob and his sons that are needing to go to Egypt because there's a great famine in the land. And, and, they, and they are shocked when they find out that the second in command of Egypt is another but Joseph. Why? Because God gave Abraham a prophecy way back in Genesis chapter 15, Genesis chapter 17, Genesis chapter number 20, most specifically in chapter number 17, when he said that in the fourth generation they'll come out with great substance. He was talking about when the nation of Israel made an exodus under the leadership of Moses. But he first had to get his people in Egypt. And how he did that is he gave Pharaoh a dream that there was going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. That was God positioning his people so that he could fulfill a prophecy. When you might be going through something today, and you forgot that God is fulfilling something that he gave you so years ago. It's no time to bucket. It's no time to get angry. It's time to get to the same level in the spirit that you were in when God gave you that promise. Clap your hands and give God the praise. influence of the father, I believe, and, I, and this, this could be theologically argued, but I'm using the Old Testament as my basis for seeing how the father operates, that the father said, you know what, it needs to get hard. Let me just insert this. I believe in helping your kids out, but if you keep helping your kids out, they're never going to help themselves. In fact, let me get more theological. God will not do for you what you can do for yourself. God, God expects you to pray. God expects you to be faithful. God expects you to follow the word of God. And God says, now I'll do what you can't do. Come on, clap your hands and give God the praise. This is not communism. This is not spiritual socialism. There's a lot of people that want it that way. But God refuses to do that because you're made in his image. He values you too highly to make this socialistic. Where one size fits all. No, you need to understand, God has favorites. I'm going to let that sink in for about 15 seconds. God has favorites. Matthew chapter 25, he took the one talent from the unprofitable servant and gave it to the guys that are doing something with their talent. That showed favoritism. God is not going to waste his blessings, his grace, his anointing, and his power unless it's God is a great businessman. He's already determined that this thing's got to get out there. This thing's got to get to the ends of the earth. Clap your hands and give God the praise. God's not ugly or mean about this, but he has a dream that you and I are fulfilling in the earth. Hallelujah. I'm still not convinced of that, I can tell. I feel your spirit, and for the most part, it's really good. Okay, let me do it again. You have Jacob and you have Esau. Which one wants to be blessed? I rest my case. Romans chapter 9, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Esau hated the things of God. He despised his birthright. He hung around with people. The reason why he got so bitter is he hooked up with Ishmael. 
don't hook up with people that are reprobates and hate the church and hate God. You're going to lose your blessing. He was raised in a blessed household. That's the word of God. So, there's a famine in the land. This young man is out of money. And he's out of friends. People are hanging around as long as you're picking up the bar tab. As long as there's some dope, there's friends. The harlots are gone. The partiers are gone. But he did remember working at his father's farm. And so he said, I need to go get a job. I didn't go to college like my mom and dad want me to do. I'm just inserting that. The only thing I know how to do is work with pigs and husbandry. Didn't just have to be specifically pigs. Could have been feeding the chickens, the cattle, the oxen. He was into husbandry. And so he went and got a job with a citizen of that country. And the citizen of that country said, all right. You need a job. You're out of money. You're at my mercy. Get out there and feed these pigs. I don't believe that if he would have stayed in father's house, that his father would have kept him feeding the pigs because he had servants to do that. We know that because of the story unfolds here. They were the ones that got, went and got the fatted calf. But he's doing stuff now that servants were doing. He used to make fun of the servants. Man, look at these, look at these idiots in the mud. Look at these idiots praising God. And now look who's in the pig pen. And now look who's dirty. And now look who's lost it all. I want to tell you what, when God... Oh, when God resists the proud, it is not, it is not, it's not pretty. When you see somebody being worked over by God, don't laugh and go, don't do that. Because then your turn's next. Just walk carefully. Say, God, I'm breathing because of you. That's a great place to start. Let everything that hath breath. You know what, let's do that right now. Oh, you think, you think you're so good looking, you're just breathing. You could be in a hospital bed next week at this time. I go ahead and give God the praise while you got two good hands and two good feet and two good eyes and breath in your lungs. My God, look at this today. Somebody give him praise. Amen. Brother Chris has a motor back there. And he is going to fix that motor right now. Thank you, Brother Chris. Whoever programmed that, please program it at 2 in the morning when no one's supposed to be in here. Hallelujah. 
service announcement from the pastor. Okay, so this guy's in the pig pen. And he is so hungry. He's not fasting, he's hungry. He spent his money at the bar. He spent his money on stupid stuff. Trying to buy friends. Trying to make people like him. I want to tell you what, if you if you disfigure your body in any way to make people like you or to fit in, God wants to deliver you of that spirit. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. It is not to be visualized and manipulated for this world. If you have done that, I don't want you to feel ashamed or anything like that because God will help you. But there is an entire world that is manipulating their bodies and doing. I saw a picture of uh, a young man, I believe he's in Australia. I can't remember what his name is, but he is manipulated by, he's got horns like a devil. He's got big old, uh, I don't even know what they call them. I just say it's like people like in National Geographic that have the big ear deals going on here. And he's got all these tattoos. The, the, the whites of his eyes have been pig, have injection of pigment that is black. His eyes are completely black. He's got tattoos over almost his entire body. His face is completely tattooed to where it looks black. And he is doing this because he wanted the coveted status of being the most tattooed, disfigured man in the history of the world. I rebuke that devil in Jesus' name. That is still made in the image of God. I don't care how haggard a form of humanity is before us. They are made in the image of an almighty God. So he's in a pig pen. He's in a far country. He doesn't know anybody. Nobody loves him. Everybody's gone. His money's gone. His reputation is gone. His pride's gone. Probably getting sick because he's hanging around with filthy animals. Here's the key. The Bible says, in verse number 17, and when he came to himself. I know we're spending a little time talking about the son here, but we're doing this so that we can, we can do this to reveal the greatness of the father. He came to himself. Why does it take so long for some people to finally get real? Why does it take the loss of so much for some people to finally say, I need help? But here you're watching the the downward progression of an individual that should have been going up is going down. But going down serves its purpose. And he finally comes to the place of recognizing. He comes to himself and he remembers where he's from. I want us to lift our hands and just pray. Pray. He remembered for the first time. He remembered where he came from.
What kind of people raised him? What kind of values were in that house? It might not have been a bowl of, of, of sugared Cheerios, but there weren't devils flying around. It wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't profane. It wasn't unclean. There was structure to it. There was, there was, there was onward progression. There was making the most of your life in that home. And now he's making the worst of his life. And for the first time, he thinks of how he was raised. And it changes everything. It changes everything. And so we're, we're being invited to see him talk to himself. I don't believe he's saying this out loud. I believe he's saying this to himself. In verse number 18, he said, I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Now, the father can't do that because once you're a son, you're always a son. You, you in your spirit may say, you know, I'm really worthless. I've, I've gone so low that I don't deserve that. And that's probably a healthy thing. But the reality of it is, you, if you're a son, you'll never be a servant. You're going to have to go home and take what, what the household is telling you, and you're, you're going to have to live responsibly as a son. In fact, uh, I'm not going to talk about this today, but I can make a strong point that when he finally got home, now he was going to have to live with all of the thought life of allowing all those images into his mind and allowing all of his spirit just to go crazy now for the first time. You know what? You're going to suffer in life. You might as well suffer to become something good than suffer the life of regret for throwing it all away. You might as well say, you know what? I'm going to suffer with him. I'll live with him forever. shed tears you'll shed tears but it's better crying out to God shedding those tears than to recognize really how pitiful it's really become a tattered and torn picture of what could have been really what it comes down to ladies and gentlemen is it comes down to self-discipline and getting getting a hold of yourself he finally came to himself I don't believe he came to himself when he said give me what's mine I don't believe that he came to himself when he said, I'm out of here. I don't believe he came to himself. No, he had some, he had some thought, some ideal in his mind of I can live away from rules and I can live away from responsibility and I can live away from the constant berating voice of my father and I can live any way I want and do anything I want. I don't even believe he was in control. I believe he was being governed by an ideal. Which is why in our world today, all this cell phone nonsense, social media, the internet is reshaping the brains of people. It's time to get into the word of God and say, this is my epistemology. It's my outlook. It's my inlook. It's my uplook. Clap your hands and give God the praise. God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. God will bring you through. God will bring you up. God will empower you. God will give you victory. Somebody shout. idea of thinking I can do this my way. I don't believe he came to himself. Listen to me. I don't believe he came to himself 
till he had no more options. And that revealed adolescence. Adolescence recognizes that I'm only doing this because I have to. An adult says, I'm doing this because it's the right thing to do. One more time, let's lift our hands. God help us today. You're the God of all grace, the God of all comfort, the God of all strength. We're here to make Father's Day. So finally, he has this moment of revelation in the pig pen. And thank God for that moment of revelation. Every single backslider that is out from this church. I want to tell you something. It's only 1224, okay? You're going to go to the restaurant or go home and eat. You're going to go about your business. So let me, let me, let me, let me, let me. Just let me. Just lighten up and let me. There's something to be said about getting this while you can. I want to tell you something. If you see a backslider from this church, I don't ever want to hear of a person going, ew. They got cooties. They might have cooties. They might have worse than cooties. I'm not saying give them a holy kiss, but I'm saying be nice to them. No, no. Some of you, some of you need this. You need that. Some of you need a revelation. You see a backslider in this, uh, just out in the, in the concourse of life, you don't have to, you don't have to do anything except just, hey, praying for you. You can come home. Love you. That didn't cost you anything. That didn't hurt. That didn't cost you. It might be the whole difference in saving a life. Because I'm going to tell you something. The devil is communicating with people in this world. He's taking your face and showing it on the screen of their imagination. And you're going like this. And the devil's convincing them. You can't go back to that church. That one doesn't want me. And that one's grimacing. And that one's grinning. And what's that person going to think? And what's that per- He uses the church against people. And so when you see people, you seem to say, devil... You're a liar. I'm going to prove it to you. Hey, good to see you. Come on back. You're welcome. Love you. Let's clap our hands and give God the praise. I don't care how long this takes. You need a new spirit. God created me a clean heart and renew within me a right spirit. You ain't never going to have revival with that nasty attitude. And God is trying to get some of these people to come back. We had a um, sister... Sister Marla Carter went to be with the Lord here a couple weeks ago. We had a funeral. There were more visitors and backsliders than there were church people. Where'd Brother John? Are you in the back, Brother John? I don't see you. He went to the bathroom? Okay. When you're his age, you can just do what you want. He can just walk around. Brother John, you can do whatever you want. Just don't walk up here while I'm trying to preach because... You'll be a distraction. But you can just, there he is. Let's give it up for Brother John. Happy Father's Day. Why not? I was missing half of our church, but <clears throat> I'll save that for my next message. 
But I want to tell you, there was more family members and backsliders and friends in that going away service for Sister Carter than there was church people. And Brother John, you correct me if I'm wrong. But our church was like, man, it's so good to see you. Nice to see you. Love you. We fed them. We were kind to them. We were, we were compassionate to them. And did not some of them say the thing about coming back? That pleases God. That's the will of God. That is the will of God. Come on, clap here. Would you want someone being nasty to your backslidden child? Would you want somebody twisting up your face? Somebody that came out of a lemonade drinking contest. Just don't say anything. Go get in the car. Go pray. You see a backside of this church, I don't, want you to, I don't want you to do something stupid and insincere, but we want them to know there's hope. My God, there's no hope in this world. The White House doesn't have hope. Congress doesn't have hope. There's no hope outside of Jesus Christ. Let's clap our hands and give God the praise. Oh, thank God for the blessed hope. Woo! My Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody praise him. As a proof. See, people that haven't come to themselves, they don't understand that. They don't understand. They're being nice to me. They're extending me grace here. Because you ain't thinking right. Some people cannot think right, so they absolutely are on the bottom. And their marriage is hanging by a thread. Everything is hanging by a thread. And then all you can hope is once they move out, because God's not going to let you stay there if you're crying out to him. I want to tell you, if you cry out to God, you are not going to stay in that pig pen. God's not going to leave you there. The devil might leave you there. Your so-called worldly friends might leave you there. But God's going to say, no, you ain't made for pigs. You ain't made for filth. You ain't made for that. You're a son. And God's going to start snapping his fingers and bless your socks off. So, this young man gets out of the pig pen, stinks. We don't have any indication that he went and got cleaned up. He, He has nowhere to live. Maybe he's just a hired hand living in a ranch house. It's a bunk house. They don't have plumbing. And so he smells like a pig pen. And he says, I'm going to go home. I've come to the end of this. How did I get here? I'm going to tell you, when you finally, when God, if, 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 if God ever grants you the opportunity and true repentance, ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I, I'd be remiss if I did not say this. True repentance is the ability for you to see yourself as you really are. That is a God thing. It's a revelation of the Spirit in which you know, I, this, this, this happened to me uh, just several weeks ago. I was praying uh, in a hotel room, and I felt like God allowed
allowed me to have a 3D image of myself. Not that I was living in a pig pen, but it was just it was just God furnishing me with this. But God allows you to see what you're doing to yourself so you can make a, a rational choice for righteousness. I pray for every backslider from every church all around this world that God would furnish them with a moment where they can see the light of reality and see where they really are. Oh, clap your hands and give him praise. Staggers out of the pig pen. He went to a far country. And so it's a long way to get from the far country back to the Father's house. And now that we have this setting, I want you know, I had a grandson born two weeks ago. So you just let that baby cry. His name is Brave Levi Mark. Hallelujah. And we will, we will be dedicating him next month right here. So stay tuned. Put your channel selector in the garbage and stay tuned. Pastor, everything's not good in my world, and I want everybody to be miserable like me. In fact, I, I resent people that, that, that are not miserable like I am. You need help. You need help. And only God can help you. I'm not making fun of you. I'm, I'm saying that sincerely. You need help. You need to be delivered from yourself. See, when you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, what God does is he delivers you from yourself. If you have your own way and make your own choices... You're going to be a worker of iniquity. And on the day of judgment, Jesus is going to say, you know, get away from me, thou worker of iniquity. Iniquity means self-will. Yeah, you were sitting in church, but I didn't want to do this. Didn't want to do that. Wanted to do this. Wanted to do that. And finally, you don't even look like what you're supposed to look like or be what you're supposed to be like because you made those choices for you instead of making the choices that God had for you that actually had your betterment at heart. If any man lose his life for my sake, he will find it. He will find it. Purpose, integrity, direction, anointing, fulfillment, and you're a great witness of the power of God. And so, what is the Father doing? I want to talk for my the remainder of my time about the characteristics of this Father. This father can teach me some things. And this father is not all Twitter-pated and having a nervous breakdown because his child is in a far country. I believe, if I could fill in some blanks here, in the light of reality, I believe that this father is praying. Because they don't have text messaging emails, they don't have postal carriers, they don't have UPS, FedEx Express, DLF, anybody else. When he saw his son move beyond the horizon of that long winding road to a far country, 
he really didn't know if he was ever going to see him again. They was never going to be the same again in that household. But he could not violate the choice of a young adult. He refused to trap that child into adolescence. He said, no, this is your choice. I believe that the father, if you could see it with me, I believe on that porch of his house are two grooves that are well-worn. And him sitting in that rocking chair pointed down that long Every single day of his life, he looked down that road. I'll tell you why I believe that. Because the Bible said when he was afar off, they didn't have binoculars. They didn't have spotting scopes. They didn't have telescopes. But the father saw his son moving in the right direction. in a while, no doubt, made his father's choice. His parent did not require him to stand at attention and be shamed by everybody of the household, especially the older brother. No shame. There was no humiliation. You know, shame based parenting is toxic. It is the worst form of parenting known under the sun is to shame your children. You're going to destroy their self esteem and they're going to do they're going to mutilate their bodies and their lives to be liked by people. Instead of being leaders, they're going to be the bottom of the barrel followers. When they're called to be leaders. I love this story. And I'm coming down the stretch. And he was a great way off. The father didn't say, no, he's going to have to come right here. And he's going to have to say this and do this. Not the God that we serve. God, if you will draw nigh to God. There might be somebody here sitting here this morning. If God can just see you moving in his direction. If you're you're ready to leave a self-defeated life. And to leave a life without purpose. And to leave the attitude that you know you got. It's not getting you anywhere. But you're, you're, you're ready to just move in God's direction. He's off the porch, out of the chair, down the road. The father that we serve is looking for somebody to just come my direction, come my way. You don't even have to make it all the way here, but I'm going to meet you.
I'm going to meet you. I'm going to meet you. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Oh, aren't you glad you've got the truth of the true living God, not some God that wants you to squirm with humiliation and shame in some humanistic form of retribution and revenge. Not only did the father jump out of the chair and jump off the porch and ran. Did you know in the, in the book of Proverbs it said, it is a shame for an old man to run. I run the aisle. I make it to right about where Brother Norman is. And that's about as far as I can make it. But this father ran. The stink didn't stop him. The mud that had become a wallow for pigs did not stop him. You got to get this picture, ladies and gentlemen. The stink does not stop God. The sin, the evidence of sin, the residual of all the choices and all the self-destruction and all the, all the filthy thing, it's not going to stop God. God's going to say, you know what? I see something here. You're coming my direction. I'm hoping that it'll be different next time because now you have the experience of your choices. Bible said that he fell on his son's neck and kissed him. He put his lips on unwashed skin because he never thought he'd see him again. could be an argument against once saved, always saved. Because at one time you were found, but now you're lost. And while the father is embracing his son and kissing him and no doubt sobbing in thankfulness, the son is already, he's already sputtering out this, this, this repentance that was already that was already written in a pigsty. And, and, and the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no worthy to be called thy son. But, oh, that's powerful. But, the father was only listening with one ear. He wasn't even paying attention. He said to one of the servants, bring forth that old nasty tattered robe that we got out there in the slough house right next to the pail and the fork and the shovel. You see, 
I'm almost done, I promise. I'm going to tell you why I love this scripture, because you're seeing a side of God that we don't often see, that this is the side of God God wants us to see. God loves you more than you think he loves you. And it's only because you don't know how much he loves you. See, you don't know what you don't know. And the worst thing you could do for yourself is make decisions based on the fact that you don't know. Which is why the role of a good pastor is to help you know. There are a lot of people that think they already, they, they already got all this stuff figured out. They don't, know, they, don't, they don't even know what they don't know. God said, bring the best robe, but it's going to touch stench. That's my son. It's going to touch dirt. That's my boy. That's going to touch filth. That's my son. We're not going to bless what he did. We're going to bless my relationship to him. Clap your hands and give God the praise. You might not be doing everything you should be, but God says, I'm going to bless you according to the relationship. And when you go down in the name of Jesus Christ and you're filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you are a child of God. You have now been adopted. You have now been accepted in the beloved. Clap your hands and give God the praise. And it's making the Father's Day to bless you nothing to do with what you think about yourself. I shouldn't be, I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I should be out there with the world. Just one pigsty out there and one pigsty here. At least, at least I'm here with my, my family and I can, I can eat. No, no, you ain't never going to be in that pigsty. That's what they're hired to do. You're a son. You live in the house. The robe. He's talking about the robe of righteousness, which Jesus obtained for the church through becoming the propitiation of our sin. He became our righteousness and gives it to us. And, and put a ring on his finger. This isn't a ring like a big diamond ring that you get over at Tiffany Brothers on Fifth Avenue in New York City. This is a ring that had the family emblem on it. it was a ring of authority. It's a signet. A signet is different from a ring. A signet is something that you seal a letter. Had the, it, it had an emblem on it. And you'd seal it in that hot wax, which sent that you're, you're, it's got the authority of the family. It's got a family name. Come on, God just loves taking that which used to belong to the devil and say, it ain't yours, it's mine. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost here today. You know what would make the Father's Day is for somebody to say, Father, I don't even deserve this. And let God put a robe on you. Let God give authority to you. Let God fully clothe you and bless you. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Let's make the Father's Day. Finally, he said, bring the fatted calf, slay it. We're going to have a celebration. You always have some people around in a church 
They're saying, why are they making such a big deal? Okay, somebody's daughter prayed through and she spoke in tongues. Why are we making such a big deal out of that? If you'll make a big deal about other kids coming home, God might let them make a big deal when your kids come home. And I'm going to tell you, to bring people out of this world's a big deal. Let me just give you some definition. Let me just give you some clarification. I don't care what the devil says. I don't care what carnal reasoning says. I don't care what the flesh says. For somebody to come out of this world and say, I don't want that. I want Jesus. is a huge deal. It is a big deal. Slay the fatted calf. Fire up the band. Stand to your feet and clap your hand and give God the praise. Come on, let's make the Father's Day. Just, just remain standing. I'm done. The fact that you're standing means I'm done. The real question is, how long am I going to leave you standing? We had a symposium here two years ago. Brother David and Sister Brenda's son, Kyle, was there. God took one service at the end. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll never forget that night. Will you ever forget that night? Brother Cody Marks was used of God. God loves to restore. Don't look at that buildup of earwax. Just go ahead and say it. God. That's so, that's so Pastor Mayo. Just let that one slide. Listen. 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 I'm done. I'm done. God loves to restore. God is not looking to punish people. God is not looking to strip people. God is not looking to hurt people. God is not looking to put people out. God's not looking to do all that. God's looking to restore. He loves to restore people. He loves it. He looks for it. He's looking for opportunities to restore. He's looking for somebody in this house today that says, you know what? I've been, I've been acting like everything is okay, and I really need God's hand on my life, and I need God's favor in my life. Come on, let's pray, church. Pray right now. Pray right now. Pray right now. Pray right now. God wants to restore. God wants to put the robe on you. Not just any robe, but the best robe. The one with the one with lining, the one with fur on it, the one that has the family emblem on it, and put a ring of authority. Everybody in this house, let's lift our hands and give God the praise. Making Father's Day. God, if you'll just, in your heart, you can be sitting in that pew, and you can already start making the decision, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move towards God. And God will meet you halfway. This altar's open tonight. Whoever, whoever you are, wherever you are this afternoon, come on. Come on, this altar is open. You know what, God, I've made some very poor decisions. I've made some poor choices. I need you, God. I need you, God. I need you, God. God will meet you halfway, and he loves to restore. 
You will not he will not restore and leave you absolutely empty. He will not restore you and leave you absolutely naked. He will not restore you and leave you without any semblance of authority and substance. No, 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 no. Come on. This altar's open. Somebody needs to be in this altar. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. Somebody needs to be in this altar and let God restore you. Let's pray. Don't find somebody that needs to be restored. Don't wait till you're on the bottom. Don't wait till you're eating corn that the pigs eat. Don't wait till you got a big screen in your living room and you got rid of the Bible. Don't, don't, don't wait until you've got movies and Hollywood and sports and you've left this behind. God is looking to restore somebody here today. Let's make the Father's Day. Come on, reach over and pray with somebody right now.